Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Um, I realize that, that uh, a day like today brings all kinds of different emotions for people. And um, for me, I'm personally very grateful for my three sons, uh, our daughters-in-law, and the family that, that my wife and I have been blessed with. I've also uh, experienced the, the other side of things where I uh, went through a family breakup as, as a young person and uh, experiencing the pain that sometimes we as children can experience, the, the pain of those sort of events. And, and so we're sensitive to, to, to two things here. Number one, we need to acknowledge, we need to acknowledge fathers and, and the good work that they do and the place that they have in the family. And we also acknowledge the fact that sometimes these are really painful occasions for people and, and reminders of, of uh, failings and faults and, and brokenness that, that we live through. And so I personally have a love-hate relationship with these kinds of special occasions because they can really be awkward to navigate. So happy Father's Day to the fathers. And uh, thank you for the work that you do. And, um, and know this, that no matter what your family situation is, however you fit into a family, you're loved, you're appreciated, you're valued, your life matters, and you matter. And, uh, and you're special. I want to talk to you today about uh, a book in the Bible called First Kings. We've been walking through the various books of the Bible. And today, First uh, Kings is relevant to us and we're gonna be talking about that. But First Kings is written to the people of Israel. And, um, and it's also written to future readers of the Bible. That's us. So it's, it's written for all those people who lived those thousands of years ago, but it's also written for us. And when you look at 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29 to 31, this is, um, I guess, the key to what I want to talk about today. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all of the wisdom of Egypt and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. And so let's just do a, a quick overview of, of 1 Kings. We see, um, we see the potential and the promise of Israel in, in 1 Kings. In 2 Samuel, we see uh, the promise that God made to David that his, his throne would be established forever and he, it would be an eternal throne. And we see how Jesus is 
um, in the lineage of David and the throne is established forever and ever through Jesus Christ and we're part of that eternal kingdom. Uh, but we also do see, as we start to go through kings and that, we see kings who, between David and, and Jesus, who really continually mess up and do all kinds of wrong things and sinful things. And, and so when we look at, at Solomon, you, you look at this verse that I just finished reading in 1 Kings 4, and you think, wow, this is amazing. Look at how this guy, the promise and the potential of this guy. And Solomon just royally messes up. And even with all this promise and all this wisdom, he completely blows it. And um, does, just does some terribly dumb things for a very wise king. Did some really dumb things. And it, it was really... I guess part of the, the toxicity of success and power that uh, probably brought him to that place. So we see what ends up happening is, is a breakdown in his own personal life. When you look at 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 to 6, it says this, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonianites, or Sidonians, and Hittites. And they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, now get this, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. And nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. It goes on to say he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart to other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites, so Solomon, get this, Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord and he did not follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. Then when we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, if in fact this was Solomon's writings and I believe uh, much of it was, it's a testimony to the emptiness of the life that he had been leading. And it's this testimony of the mistakes and the regrets that he had in life and, and how after following all these other gods and doing all these other things, life was basically meaningless and having all this success, it, was, it really amounted to nothing. And, and there's this sense of hopelessness in the book of Ecclesiastes that Solomon is just kind of talking about. And so after Solomon comes other kings, and many of them were just so weak and, and wicked and, and sinful and idolatrous. Uh, they, they rose into power and so often their, their leadership ended just so badly. Now, two of the worst, I think two of the worst, was Ahab and Jezebel. You know, Jezebel is, I don't know many people that have named their daughters Jezebel. Jezebel would be something I would give a name to, like a really super unreliable car. In fact, I had a car I named Jezebel because 
because it just it was driving me nuts. It was just so unreliable all the time. So, so they're really known as being all oh, these terribly wicked, evil, uh, ill-willed people that ended up eventually following uh, in the lineage of, of Solomon as king and queen. Their, their leadership was a disaster beyond belief. Their, their influence was just so wicked. It was just terrible. And, and so then during Ahab and Jezebel's reign, there's this prophet by the name of Elijah. And Elijah, he stood up to these two. Um, he was a bold prophet of God and he ends up having this showdown on Mount Carmel between him and um, the prophets of Baal. And he has victory. And all of these prophets of Baal are put to death. They're slaughtered as a result of Elijah's victory over them. And Ahab and Jezebel are ticked. They are furious and uh, pledge to, um, to get even with, with Elijah. Well, Ahab ends up being slain and Jezebel herself is killed. We look at the lessons from 1 Kings and it brings me back to a lesson I learned as a young person. And it, it was found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33. This became very real to me as a young person. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We need to be cautious about the relationships that we find ourselves in and the influence that other people can have on us and on our walk with God. We need to be careful that we walk with God and we are a force for good and we're walking well with God so that we can be a positive influence to other people. But we also need to have a walk with God that, that we honor and, and we regard and we respect and not be like Solomon who is drawn away by other things and doesn't walk with God, don't walk with God the way we ought to walk with God. I remember, I remember, uh, well, I've served on many boards um, over the last number of years. And I remember learning this lesson a long time ago that one new board member can change the temperature in a room. How do we, what do I mean by that? One new board member can change the culture of a board. So if you are in a leadership capacity in, 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 in um, serving on boards and that, you may have experienced this where you could have a very um, unified board. There's a lot of trust between the, the leader and the board or the organization and the board. And one new board member can come in and infect that board with suspicion and distrust and cynicism. And I have seen it happen in one meeting with one new person added where the culture of a board completely shifts. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 
And so we need to be very mindful of the fact that we may come under the influence of people, and it could be negative influence, but we also need to be careful that we're not those people that are toxic and are having a bad influence on others. We need to be careful about that and, and own that. The choices and the relationships and the friendships that we form are not done in a bubble, but they spill over and they affect lives. How we think and how we act, the choices we make, the people we, we are with, the people who influence us, who speak into our lives, we can become for good or for wrong. And it's also true of us that, that the way I speak, the way I influence other people can be for good or it can be for evil. And so it, it needs to be very tempered. Solomon made this choice that he was going to marry all of these foreign women and he was influenced by them. He was the king. He was the leader. He's, he's the man. But his heart was drawn away by these influences. He adopted their standards instead of them adopting his standards. And it led to idolatry. And so Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord and he did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. He fell away. Now, idolatry is still with us today. And that was really what, what, um, what Solomon got into. He got into idolatry. And it's still very real. Idolatry, if I was to summarize it, would be this. Idolatry is anything that becomes more important to us than God. Now, I'm not going to go and start talking about all the things that can become idols. But I guess virtually anything could. Anything could. And we need to be careful about idolatry. Anything that becomes more important than God can become an idol in our lives. And so the lesson here is be careful of the company we keep. Our company can lead us into idolatry, into not following the Lord as we ought to. And here's another lesson idolatry is a constant temptation. I think it's something that we all need to battle all the time because idols are constantly trying to spring up and, and grab hold of our hearts and, and our love and our devotion. Let's talk about the cost of discipleship as we see it in, in 1 Kings. So our, our attention, we're going to turn it back to Elijah for a minute. Israel spiritually was in a shambles under the leadership of Ahab and Jezebel. I mean, it was a mess. It was terrible. And so God raises up this prophet, Elijah. And you know what Ahab, King Ahab called him? He called him the troubler of Israel. You know why? Because Ahab kept hearing Elijah say things that he didn't want to hear. And so he just, you know, he's a, he's a troublemaker. Uh, he was opposing sin. He was standing for God. He was standing for righteousness and, and challenged 450 prophets of Baal and, and 400 prophets of Asherah in this showdown at Mount Carmel that I talked about a few minutes ago. And, and he calls down fire from heaven. And it led to 850 of these these false prophets being executed. And then Elijah ran for it. He ran for it. He just hightailed it out of there. Like, I'm, I'm out of here. 
you know, this, this, this is great, but that's a little, a little risky for me. And so he runs for it and hears that Jezebel is really angry with him and issues this, this death threat on him. So fast forward, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 3. Elijah prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And so here's, here's what, uh, what you know, the experts would say, that there is this huge adrenaline rush. And, uh, and there is, like when you're doing ministry and, and doing great exploits for God, there's a lot that your body goes through. And, um, and he actually sunk into a depressive state and suicidal in a way take my life i am no better than my ancestors let me die i just want to die so he went from calling fire from heaven to in a very short time i just want to die that's uh signs of depression exhaustion burnout and suicidal thoughts now what's our takeaway from all of this well here's the takeaway there is a price that that standing for God takes on us. There, there's a toll that we, pray, that we pay. And Elijah was in trouble here. And we find that God is patient and loving and kind toward us. And he restores our soul. He restores our soul. He, he lifts us up out of our funk and builds us up and helps us to stand. We don't have to stand alone. The Holy Spirit helps us. Now, in John chapter 14, verse 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And they're pretty distressed because they, they know that Jesus is leaving soon. And they're feeling the oppression of, of feeling exposed and weak. And what are we going to do without you? When a leader leaves, that will oftentimes leave people in a real lurch. Uh, there's a Bible verse that says, you know, um, strike the sheep or sh strike the shepherd, scatter the sheep. And that's oftentimes what happens with, with people and organizations and families. When, when a key person is removed, we're just kind of like left devastated. And Jesus was dealing with this group of people that were feeling that. And he makes this promise to them that the comforter was going to come. The comforter is the Holy Spirit. And the comforter is one who comes to the side of another person. A comforter is one who comes to be a defender of another person. And a comforter is one who comes with the purpose of helping in any way they possibly can. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. Jesus sent the comforter. The comforter has come. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of distress you're going through, if you're having an Elijah moment in your life where you're just saying, my life is no better than those who died before me. Just take me out. Let me die. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. Let me tell you, the comforter has come and the comforter is here for you. And Jesus loves you and he cares about you and he wants to hold you up no matter what you're going through. Jesus made that promise in John 14, right through to John 17. And he says this in 14, verse 21, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. 
And so I want to close with this. Friends, I just want to encourage you to choose Jesus. Choose Jesus over any kind of man-made earthly idols. Just choose Jesus. Follow him with all your heart. Choose him daily. Choose to follow him daily. Choose him over everything else. Don't chase after other gods. Don't let your heart be drawn away by attractions in this world. Don't give in to modern day idolatry and finish well. Don't be like Solomon. Finish well. Finish well what you start and know this, that the Holy Spirit is there to help you every step of the way. Let me pray with you. Father, we come to you today and I thank you for your word. I thank you that it still speaks to us today. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bless every person that is watching today, that you'd have your hand on us, and that you would keep us and help us to be established in Jesus. We pray this in thy name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining. And we hope to see you again next week. I'll be uh, continuing this series on Cover to Cover.